Hi, this is Sedge Thompson. Welcome to this special audio highlights podcast from West Coast Live. For more information about our shows and other guests and podcasts, wcl.org. Uh, my next guest here is uh, was with us uh, not long ago when she was in the Bay Area doing uh, just one night. She is currently has a production of Surface Transit at the Berkeley Repertory Theater through June 1. She's at sarahjonesonline.com as well as with us here today. She does uh, incredible numbers of voices and uh, characters. Will you please welcome Sarah Jones here to West Coast Live. So how is it having an extended run in Berkeley? Well, uh, you know, anything to stretch me out, it, it helps a lot. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'll be here through June 1st now. So. Now, I, I just want to catch up on one, one issue. The last time that you were here, uh, we, we talked very briefly about the FCC, yeah. and, and somebody had played a recording of yours in Portland, in Portland, Oregon, and objected. It was a parody of rap music and, and included parody of profanity and, and the original record wasn't cited but yours was there was a fine to the uh, the station you took it to the FCC what's the status of it well the short of it is I won I, I, that would make me <laughs> that would make me I guess Davina to this Goliath um, we especially with everything the FCC is up to now all its deregulation push June 2nd if everybody's not aware is when uh, Michael Powell, our friend Colin Powell's son and the chairman there at the FCC, <clears throat> is planning to further deregulate and sort of collapse every media outlet into one if one person gets that wealthy. But, but, but you know, I just wanted, I want you to know something. Yeah. Under full disclosure, West Coast Live is buying up all three major television stations in, in the Bay Area market. <laughs> and we're going to own them. You know, and that's that's the big, you know, I think it's terrific ruling for us. I mean, it'll be <laughs> West Coast Live all the time, 24-7, on three major broadcast outlets. I like it. In that case, uh, disregard my earlier warning. <laughs> uh, ignore the little men behind the green curtain. What was, was that? Some member of the FCC was quoted in the paper yesterday saying, oops, we didn't know that Clear Channel Communications were going to have so much power right. on all the stations in one particular town. They must not have noticed that they've been listening to the same monotonous song on every radio station in every market <laughs> that, that Clear Channel owns 1,200 and counting. Now, what would happen to the American theater business if, if all theaters were owned by one person? We know that it, it, it's, it's tending to, to happen in the, in the major mega music entertainment world. Oh, and what about theater? theater? Don't worry, theater's yeah. already caught up um, Disney and Clear Channel own so many outlets that if you're not friendly with them and if they are not the ones licensing your product, because remember, it's not art, people, it's product, uh, and they're looking to do product placement, and if you're you know, an independent artist like me, good luck trying to find a way to tour the country with you know, any kind. I mean, ask the Dixie Chicks what happens to your career if you cross Clear Channel. I mean, they've got the radio stations and the billboards and the venues, uh, and that includes right down to theater, So, including on Broadway, I might add, there are so many Disney-owned and multi-conglomerate-owned theaters that, you know, if you're not in the right camp, your art can't flourish. So. Have you found yourself sort of shunted out of uh, and, and ignored? 
well, you know, I'm pretty sneaky, so if they try to ignore Sarah Jones, I just show up as somebody else, and I say, hi, um, listen, I'm new in town, and um, I'm trying to put on this little production number, and um, I've heard that you're the people to see, so whom do I talk to about that? And then they let me go up again, and then I just cause more trouble. So we, we're, we're suckers for an English accent, then? Are you, then? I've heard, that, well, that's one of the things I say in the shows, that, you know, they tell you when you get over here, as soon as you talk, it's sort of an aphrodisiac, and the whole room sort of starts to melt right beneath you, but <laughs> haven't found that to be quite true just yet. If any of you would like to prove that for me, you can let me know. No. So what is the, the surface tension? What is the surface transit? Transit. Well, <clears throat> there is a little Freud crept in here. Are you feeling tense? Listen. Um, well, that felt nice, right there. <laughs> Good. There's a British I've never, massage. I've never, uh, yeah, British, British massage. massage. Slap on the back. That's right. what, you've heard about Swedish, darling, but they've got nothing on us. Um, we, the um, surface transit is about, for lack of a better way to put it, eight New Yorkers sort of that I, you know, unleash on stage and they get up there and wax neurotic about all of their, you know, their passions and their prejudices and their connections to one another. And it's, it's not a pure comedy, it's not a pure drama, dramatic piece, it's really kind of like life. It's a lot of both, and it's all these different people from different backgrounds. If you come to the show, say it, you know, you're gonna meet Miss Lady, that's me. How you doing, baby? How y'all doing out there in the West Coast? I love the West Coast, I'm from New York, you know, I'm homeless. So when I come out here, at least I know I ain't gonna freeze to death out there on the street. That's why I tell people, it's better in California, baby. Yes, it is. <laughs> How, when, how did you find her voice? Did you did you hear somebody on the street and, and yeah. or is it? I mean, not unlike you know here in the Bay Area in New York. Unfortunately, there's no shortage of you know really poor people and working class people. And when the Bush junta and friends get together and start slashing budgets, you know who do you think gets hit hardest? So we've got uh, just waves of you know people um, bouncing around between shelters. And I met this woman in the subway. And unfortunately, subsequently found out that she passed away, you know, um, lack of access to, I mean, it's bad enough people have lack of access to health care, working two jobs, all of this kind of story. But when you have lack of access to an actual house, it takes it to a new level. And um, I was fascinated by her story because she was one of these folks who had, you know, worked all their life, but, you know, their jobs become obsolete. The advent of ATMs, she was one of these bank tellers. I mean, there's a whole you know, a sector of, of the society that really bought into, if I work hard, I'll be okay, I'll have a pension, I'll have, a, you know, all of this kind of thing, and the next thing they knew, they were unable to take care of themselves. Ask Enron about that, and WorldCom, et cetera. Did you, uh, yeah, there are some CEOs who aren't able to take care of themselves too well at this yeah, point. Yeah. What, what uh, did she ever come see your show? No, I mean, we really had fairly brief encounters, you know, with the same ones that we all have. You pass by somebody on the street, and that one time, hopefully, you have some change in your pocket, or, you know, it just hits you that, boy, you know, I, I wish I could help this person out. And so we had a couple of conversations, and she was, you know, she didn't have any teeth and all of this kind of thing. And I thought she was also just a compelling character. She was an interesting person whom I wished not only would live, but, you know, maybe could have access to something great like a radio show or something. She was kind of one of these organic sages, you know. Organic sage, something you grow in your garden. <laughs> Is there a voice that you've tried to do that, that stymies you? Oh, boy. I've had uh, a lot of 
you know, difficulty with uh, some of the accents I do because, or some of the people that I'm trying to portray because I really want people to realize that they're not about uh, just picking out an accent for fun or oh, watch me flex my muscles and be, you know, acrobatic with my voice, it, that they're also about who the person is. And I'm so excited about the lineup on West Coast Live today. I mean, between, you know, I have, there's a man in one of my shows, uh, which I'll be doing here in the Bay Area called uh, Waking the American Dream. I'll do that June 6th. Uh, plug, plug. But, the, you know, it's about immigrant experiences. So I'm hearing, you know, who you have on the show and, you know, the different people that make up our society. There's, you know, I have uh, this one guy, you know, his name is Boris Ostrowski. Uh, listen, if you want to hear my story, it's too much time. You don't have enough time here in West Coast Life. Uh, but I can tell you, you know, I, uh, I am Jewish in Russia. To be Jewish, it's enough. You don't need more story than this. <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, so you have a lot of different people that I like to try to have uh, coming, uh, talking with people, and uh, I think you know everybody is hard for you to do because I'm not a Russian guy. You can't see in the in the radio, but I promise you, I am not some Russian guy. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, uh, <laughs> I I do like to challenge um, you know myself and the audience with you know, sometimes subject matter or voices that you wouldn't expect to come out of me or, you know, some, some of the things I talk about are a little prickly. I talk about prejudice. I talk about homophobia, you know. Um, I just, I try to, you know, really grab it all um, because, again, like life, you know, this is the stuff of, of who we all are and how we interact with each other. So sometimes you use humor as kind of a delivery system for your point. Yes, a conveyance, if you will. A conveyance. Yes. Stealth. Yes, and it doesn't cost $15 billion to make one either. <laughs> as, a, as a little girl, would you, would you make funny phone calls like to the drugstore? Uh, do you have Prince Albert in a can? Uh, you, yeah, let him out then. Were you hanging out in my house? I, uh, one thing I did, I used to call up you know, the weather. I was too afraid to actually interact with other people with my crazy people voices going on. Um, but I did listen to recordings and mimic them. So you know, in Washington, D.C., it, it was I, where I grew up uh, part of the time, I'd call and ask for the weather. And it was, you know, or you know, you call and dial up, and the woman, the CNP Telephone Company presents the latest official weather forecast for Washington, D.C. and vicinity. 6 a.m. Washington National Airport temperature, 62 degrees, uh, 14 Celsius, you know, whatever it was. And so I would come away from the phone going, 52 degrees, 14 Celsius. And my mother would be like, what's, you know, what's, what's wrong with my child, you know? <laughs> And so I think I've probably inspired a little bit of panic in my parents, but I, I've always loved, you know, the, the kind of playing with the texture of voices and the sound of accents. It's just music. There were, uh, Jonathan Winters, I think, once got stuck in Maud Frickett, or was it for... for couldn't get out. And couldn't get out for, for, for like days. I mean, it was, it, was a, it was a serious episode. Well, I have had, I always tell people when I was doing the research for the second show I wrote, you know, I, it was full immersion. I mean, I had like two months to write this thing I had to do at the United Nations, no pressure. So, uh, you know, there was one character that was particularly difficult for me to try to grasp. And I was walking around my apartment with my roommates, kind of, you know, it was a Jordanian character. And I was, uh, uh, 
Listen, girls, I need you to please go to the store for me. Bring me uh, some milk. And uh, I don't want any of this uh, soy milk. Uh, please, can you just bring me uh, skim milk? By the way, the phone will be cut off. Uh, the telephone bill is late. And uh, please, if you can uh, try to remember, uh, don't uh, leave uh, my things out when you have worn them. Uh, I see that you have borrowed my shoes. Uh, I do not appreciate this. You know, I was... Uh, just turned into Hela, and I was uh, trying to all the time not talk like this, but when I would pick the phone, still I would say, hello, you have reached uh, Sarah Jones. Uh, she's not available now. Uh, she won't be until this accent is perfected, you know, <laughs> this kind of thing. So it is a great challenge sometimes to get out of that person yeah. if you are there. Yeah. Do, do you wake up in the morning and... and Suddenly, another person is coming out of your voice? Well, I can't tell you that now that I am stuck here, uh, I have a fiancé, uh, we are uh, to be married, and uh, the worst thing of that is that I think he should be, believes that we should move to Utah, where at least the polygamy, it is legal. Because every morning, he is waking to some different women. He's saying, I feel that I am cheating. Uh, we are not even married. So uh, we have this kind of uh, problem, but... Uh, well, he must enjoy that at some level. Well, you can ask him. I try not to tell what happens between Hela and Steve. This is uh, not uh, for me to discuss. You can ask Sarah Jones. I don't want to implicate anyone here. <laughs> so, you have fun. I do. This is what I enjoy doing, and I get to do it at Berkeley Rep. I mean, I get to do it all over the place, and people seem to, you know, enjoy going on the ride with me. So there's nothing more fulfilling than that. When you talk you're, that you're writing a new show that that opens in on June sixth, is is the process of writing one where you dictate into a tape recorder, where you find a voice, and then you find the character by hearing the voice? Is it is it something that you sit down and write out uh, first, and then bring a voice to it? It's a mix of things, and the process really depends. The show I mentioned, Waking the American Dream, is something that I actually wrote already. It was a commission, and it was specifically designed, so it's you know less like surface transit, a theatrical piece that I mount and all of that. This is more of an activist piece, still meant to entertain, but it talks about the experiences of diverse immigrants. So, you know, I really kind of had in mind exactly what I wanted to do, and I knew that you know there were certain voices I wanted to make sure were in there. So it wasn't really, uh, it w there was a lot of talking into the dictaphone. There was also, you know, talking to my friend. Uh, let, let me tell you before you are going. Uh, my name is Mohammed Ali. Please save the jokes about the boxing, okay? I have heard all of them since I came from Pakistan, 1975. So, but I can't tell you that with doing uh, that different voices, Sarah Jones, you have to be patient with her. You know, she takes long time sometimes. But I do tell her that if she will get it right, it goes a long way to stop the stereotype. I get tired of people, Mohammed, are you a cab driver? No, I am accountant. And don't call me when you need me. Okay. <laughs> That's right. Okay. <laughs> but are, are, are voices such as Irish going to be included in it? Well, there's a whole mix of people uh, that one of my goals is to, in, you know, 
promise myself that whenever I take on a project, a person, that I really try to do it right. I'm not going to, you know, I could kind of dig into the bag of tricks we all have from watching too much TV and, and the rest of it. And, you know, the luck of the Irish and all that kind of thing there. But it's not really accurate. And I know it's not really accurate. So if I really want to get it right, I'm going to have to sit down, talk to somebody who's really Irish, listen to them very carefully. Otherwise, you'll get this, which is all right. Okay, it's not bad, but it's not great. And I know that. So, you know, the way it works for me is, you know, if you, if you don't kind of uh, veer too far from a real person, you're always going to end up with something accurate that, that resonates with other people because they'll say, hey, I recognize that and not just, you know, some bad stereotype. And too often those are, you know, just for the sake of poking fun at people. I mean, when I had to perform a Chinese-American character, I realized how many times I've turned on something, you know, from a Saturday Night Live to whatever, and you get some, you know, cheeky white guy sitting up there with too much eyeliner on pretending to be Asian. What could be more offensive, really? Because it's never funny and it's never accurate. So my goal is to make sure that, you know, the, the people... And so somebody wouldn't call you a cheeky black woman doing uh, Chinese-American? Well, I might be cheeky. But um, what I would say is the difference is, you know, when you, if you're aware of kind of the power balances out there and that, you know, it, it is true that Asian-American folks like many of us, you know, uh, people of color and women and people of different abilities, even working class people, are usually marginalized or, you know, kind of painted into the corners of our mainstream portrayals. So if you're a working class white person, you're more likely to be on Jerry Springer and, you know, not know how to talk and have no teeth and all this kind of thing. And not that, you know, we're working class culture and being poor is something to intrinsically make fun of at all, but that it's a shame that the only portrayals we see of people aren't kind of more imbued with who they really are. They're, most people have lots of layers. They're not just some stereotype of an accent. And accents are actually beautiful. I mean, but it's only you know our choice to make everybody who has an accent some kind of foil for a joke in a movie, unless they're French, in which case it's sexy. But everybody else with an accent, you know, if you have an accent, you're supposed to want to get rid of it, or it makes you weird or different, or you know. And I think that that's unfortunate. So I'm into kind of exploring and celebrating the beauty of all of these you know differences. Well, so much of that effect in the in the culture is also part of broadcasting. So for a long time. You know, there was a there was a sort of broadcast speech in this in this country. Are you all listening to this man's voice, folks, in this accent? I mean, who could compete with this? And it melts like butter on waffles. Okay, keep going. And and in Britain, there was a there was a BBC announcer tone, but now that's changed. And you go to Britain, and you and you and you do hear Pakistani voices, you hear Scottish voices, you hear Welsh voices, all in the mainstream major newscasts, and uh, as the presenters do sure. this. I mean, that's been a. Uh, a recognition of the culture. I always think that broadcasting tends to be behind the culture. I think you may be right there, and I'm not suggesting that there's anything wrong with your gorgeous voice, your wonderful pipes, and your accent. But I think that, again, you know, it, it is a funny thing that once, I guess my grandmother was telling me there was a time when, you know, if you talked like this, this was not considered to be acceptable English, okay? People made fun of your accent. They say, what are you, Lower East Side? What's wrong with you? All of this kind of thing. Okay, but I can tell you that there's plenty of beauty here in this accent, and it re represents a whole culture of people. There's nothing wrong with being able to speak this way. It's a beautiful thing. And all the different people who come here now, the new immigrants, they have accents too. God bless. I think and, it's And uh, Howard Cosell went a far, a long way with that. Yeah, and Howard Cosell. And I mean, if you think about it, it's just a matter of us kind of opening, you know, our, our, our ears and minds to n new uh, versions of, of the American experience. I, I, uh, I watched again uh, Ali with Will Smith and John Voight in it uh, the other night. And one of the things that occurred to me was how much, 
even though it was Will Smith's voice, how much I actually remembered Muhammad Ali's voice and how distinctive these voices were. You could hear him on the radio without even being identified, and you would pick him out as Muhammad Ali, the boxer. Sure, and it's a shame that when I was growing up in school, uh, there were, I mean, I went to um, black, all black uh, elementary school in Washington, D.C. It just happened to be all black. We didn't have a sign up or anything, but everybody that was there was black. And, um, you know, there were teachers who, with their greatest, greatest of intentions, wanted to encourage us not to speak, you know, maybe with, in a way that could indicate that we might be African-American, which, of course, you can find the accent of an African-American person often because, you know, many of us come from this, a southern sound or that kind of thing. But the idea was, if you would talk like this, then people won't respect you. And I think to my well, now what's wrong with if you talk like this any more than what's wrong with talking from the upper, uh, Lower East Side or this one or that one? So I think what happens is we begin to conflate the accent with a, a, a distorted idea of a group of people. Like, you know, if you're black, then there's something wrong with you. So if you sound black, then people won't respect you as much. Well, that's terrible. We need to get back to loving this sound here. I love it myself. I'm going to keep this all day. <laughs> Sarah Jones, Surface Transit at the Berkeley Rep. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. This is Edge Thompson. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Try out others from West Coast Live right here, and we look forward to having you in one of our audiences one day. For more information, wcl.org.